Welcome to Landmark Worship Center's audio podcast. We hope that this message will inspire and encourage your life. So open your heart and mind and receive what God has for you today. It's good to be in the presence of God and uh, those who we love and care about, the family and the body of Christ. Um, well, this is the uh, this is the third week that I was supposed to teach. I am teaching this week, but um, if you want a snow day, just ask me to teach because there's snow in the forecast today. Um, but uh, so don't don't. Uh, hold me to the standard that I've had three weeks to study and that it should be a really really well done message I was typing a couple notes in in my notes and uh, Sister Burke said um, she said uh, you've had three weeks stop adding things to it <laughs> you can always add and take away things um, but I'm uh, tonight's message was somewhat based uh some of the um, what God was speaking to me was when I was working on um, our guest experience ministry which we are launching here pretty soon and I know a lot of you have been asked to be a part of that and um, I'm excited about where that's going to go but in that whole process we were talking about what our guests are experiencing when they come to our church and um, how they uh, how they feel when they come you know what the interaction is are we uh, connecting with them, getting information from them so that we can, you know, continue to have a conversation with them and, and reach out to them. Um, and in that process, we we, uh, we wanted people at our doors talking to people as they came in. Um, and the, uh, the common name or title that you've heard probably over the years, and that you've heard this in retail stores too, is, um, is greeters, uh, people who just stand there and say hello and you know, a friendly face when people walk in. Um, but the way that we structured this ministry was to uh, change that title a little bit, and so we started, we're calling them guides. Um, our church landmark has that um, that imagery attached to the name, that it is a, a place, a, a location, a marker on, the, on people's pathway to God to kind of help center and um, direct their, their uh, give them direction in their lives. And so we, um, we went with that name guide because there's a lot more than just greeting, but we wanted them to be knowledgeable um, about the layout of the church and about who we are, be able to answer any questions, walk them to locations throughout the building. Um, and so there was a lot that went into that. And one of the, one of the things that kept sticking out to me, standing out to me, was um, I wanted to define what a guide was in this church and, and what that meant. And the thing that kept standing out to me was a, um, a caretaker of others' pathway to God. A caretaker of others' pathway to God. So I'm going to talk about pathways today, uh, tonight. And um, there's a lot that goes on in people's lives from the parking lot to the altar. 
there's a lot that goes on in people's lives from their house to the parking lot to the altar um, a lot of potential distractions in their lives a lot of things that could um, hinder them or throw them off course of getting to God finding God um, we want to create an environment in this church that uh, helps facilitate people's pathway to God that helps clear that pathway um, so that they have a direct um, easy connection with God we want them to experience God's presence in a great way so you know our um, we've done things over the years like our worship services used to be four or five songs and now we do uh, you know three songs and, a, and an offering song cut down on some things try to do things to where we're not overwhelming people with too much but also you know giving them all that they need to get in, in here and make a decision to turn their lives to God. Um, so I want to talk about pathways, and one of the first pathways that was ever um, carved in the world has led to the worst evil ever imagined. Anybody think about what that pathway may have been? In the beginning, there were two paths created, or two potential paths uh, right from the very beginning, we see that in Genesis that uh, there were two pathways that had to, had to be paved in the Garden of Eden. One to the tree of life and one to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. This <clears throat> was a garden. This was a place that was grown up that was full of life and growth and plants and all of these things. <clears throat> the Bible even says... Uh, that when God was creating us that he created us to manage and maintain the earth and that he, he created us to um, be caretakers of the earth that God put us on but these two places these two things this tree of life and this tree of knowledge um, both had to have a pathway uh, taken to get to them every step that you take either follows a path already laid or forges a path never discovered. Um, this new world, new, new earth that they were on um, was full of life and growth and all these things that God had spoken into existence. Um, but to get to a place of death and destruction, you had to forge a path to it. To get to a place of life, you had to forge a path to that as well. The, um, the first paths in the U.S., um, some of the most notable roads in the U.S., uh, number one was King's Highway, not King's Highway in St. Louis, um, but King's Highway on the East Coast. It was the oldest road in the U.S., built between uh, 1650 to 1735. It's 1,300 miles, spans from Charleston, South Carolina, all the way up to Boston. This is the one of the oldest known roads in the U.S. Um, another one is Wilderness Road. Maybe you've heard of it. Maybe you've heard of Daniel Boone. He uh, helped create the Wilderness Road created in uh, 1775. And then, of course, many of, us un uh, many of us know Lewis and Clark, the explorers in the Lewis and Clark expedition, which led them from around here in St. Louis all the way up into Oregon and uh, the, the West Coast. Also merchants, traders, trappers, they had all started kind of clearing a pathway leading towards the West Coast. 
And then um, the Oregon Trail was, was founded. Uh, it was uh, started as the, um, the, the migration or the Western, Western expansion started to happen. Um, thanks to the high birth rate and the brisk immigration, the U.S. population exploded in the first half of the 19th century from around 5 million people in 1800 to more than 23 million in 1850. So in 50 years, a difference from 5 million to 23 million people. The Oregon Trail was roughly 2,000 mile uh, route from Independence, Missouri to Oregon City, Oregon, which was used by hundreds to thousands of American pioneers in the mid 1800s to immigrate uh, west. The trail was arduous and snaked through Missouri and present-day Kansas, or as uh, President Trump would say, the great state of Kansas, Kansas City, Kansas. Uh, Nebraska, Wyoming, Idaho, and finally into Oregon, and later into California. Along the route, there were landmarks. Uh, the settle settlers gave a sigh of relief if they reached Independence Rock, a huge granite rock that marked the halfway point of their journey. By July 4th, um, because it, it meant that they were on schedule, so many, so many people added their name to the rock, it became known as the Great Register of the Desert, a place where people came to put their name that they were there. The reason that it was a great sight to see by July 4th was that um, you were trying to get through the treacherous terrain uh, before uh, the snow hit before the, the winter hit. Jeremiah 6.16 says, Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways, and see, and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? And walk therein. And ye shall find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk therein. A commentary by Matthew Henry says, um, He would have them to, to consult antiquity, the observation and experiences of those that went before them. Ask for the old paths. Inquire of the former age. Ask thy father, thy elders. Deuteronomy 32.7 says, Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask thy father, and he will show thee. Thy elders, and they will tell thee. How many are you thankful that we've had people forge a path uh, for us to walk. And now we'll, and uh, going back to the commentary, it says, and now we'll find the way of godliness and righteousness has always been the way which God has owned and blessed and in which men have prospered. Ask for the old paths, the paths prescribed by the law of God, the written word, that true standard of antiquity. Ask for the paths that the patriarchs traveled in before you. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And as you hope to inherit the promises made to them, tread in their steps. Ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? We must not be guided merely by antiquity as if the plea of prescription and long usage were alone sufficient to justify our path. No, there is an old way which wicked men have trodden. But when we ask for the old paths, it is only in order to find out the good way, the highway of the upright. 
Note the way of religion and, go and godliness is a good way, is a good old way. The way that all the saints in all ages have walked in. He would have them to resolve to act according to the result of their uh, inquiries. When you have found out which is the good way, walk therein. Practice accordingly. Keep closely to the way. Proceed and persevere in it. What is this way that God has called us to walk into? John 14, 1 through 6 talks about this way. It says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there ye may also. There ye, be, there ye may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We just sang about that tonight, that there is healing in the name, that there is salvation in the name, there is life in the name. There is no other name but Jesus. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. How many have heard of the phrase, stuck in a rut? How many have also heard of the phrase, in the groove? Stuck in a rut and in the groove are similar uh, situations you might find yourself in with a little bit of a different meaning in both. Stuck in a rut, being fully entrenched in a pathway can be good or bad depending on where you're going. Early pioneers would, would quite literally get stuck in ruts, causing them to go for miles in whatever direction the ruts from previous travelers left them in. The phrase stuck in a rut now refers to doing the same routine over and over again. You know, it's not so bad if you're stuck in a rut, but you're heading in a good location, a good direction. But when you get stuck in a place where you can't get out of it, a lot of times um, it, it's, we're in a tough spot because of the direction that we're going in. The, the opposite phrase, in the groove, this phrase originally alluded uh, to running accurately in a channel or groove, and I'm sure a lot of you can uh, remember maybe um, playing music on an old record player and it getting out of the groove, the needle getting out of the groove. I know that because I have a record player, not because I was around when they first came out. Um, and uh, a while back, I, I tried showing, well, this is when River was a little younger, I tried showing her how to you know, set the needle down on the record and she grabbed it and set the needle down on the record and broke the needle. And, uh, <laughs> and I uh, have not replaced the needle since, so it just sits there and gathers dust. But, um, but this, this was, uh, of course, then adopted by a lot of jazz musicians at the time and, um, in the 1920s, talking about someone being in the groove. Well, this kind of originated from that... Uh, 
a lot of record players instructions saying uh, referring to keeping the needle in the record groove deeply entrenching ourselves into the pathways of our spiritual forefathers uh, can help us avoid the mistakes of history walking the pathways that were led before us by men of God and um, spiritual leaders can help us to um, avoid areas of, of confrontation down the way. In Job 23, 8-11, it says, Behold, I go forward, but he is not there, and backwards, and I cannot perceive him. On the left hand where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand, that I cannot see him. But he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. My foot hath held his steps. His way have I kept and not declined. There is a certain comfort in knowing that God knows the steps you're taking. That I'm on the right pathway. I'm going the right direction. And that even through times where I cannot perceive God on the left or right of me, times where I don't hear his voice, times where I don't feel him, knowing that I am placing my footsteps in his, knowing that I'm holding on to his hand, even though I don't feel him, I, I know he's there, I know he's close, and walking in the footsteps that he has set before us. There's power in voices leading you down a certain pathway. Listening to the voice of God will lead you down a life that, yes, that although it may be difficult at first to live for God and get past your flesh and get beyond all of the stuff in your life that, that you have to do to live a righteous life, once you get into that place, you get deeply entrenched into the, the ways of God, and, and the pathway that God is leading you in, it gets easier. It's not so difficult. You're not having to navigate your way. When you have set in your mind and when you've placed yourself in the pathway that God has intended for you, it becomes easier. Now, no, I'm not saying that life is going to be easy from now on. You know, I know that the pioneers, when they... Um, got into a, a, a rut in the pathway from the wheels of another um, wagon. Yes, it made it a lot easier to know which way to go because you had to go one way. A lot of times, and you saw in some of those pictures, that there are still ruts today from where these wagons, uh, they, where they um, pave the way for future generations. And a lot of the highways that we have now are based on these ways that were paved. Um, and even the Oregon Trail, before, uh, before it came to that point, there had to be a path paved to that location in Independence, Missouri, where they started and took off from there. And, but having voices telling you which way to go can be a very powerful thing or can be a very life-altering thing. Voices of influence, both negative and positive, have the power to change the course of our lives for eternity. 
going back to Genesis verse 2 or chapter 2 verses 15 through 17 God created us made us to maintain and the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden and dress it and to keep it and the Lord God commanded the man saying of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it for in the day that thou eatest thou shalt surely die so we understand that but then here comes the voice of deception in Genesis chapter 3 verses 1 through 7 it says now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made and he said unto the woman yea hath God said ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden and the woman said unto the serpent we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden but of the free, uh, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden God hath said ye shall not eat of it neither shall ye touch it lest ye die and the serpent said unto the woman yea uh, ye shall not surely die for God doth know that in the day that ye eat thereof then your eyes shall be opened and ye shall be as gods knowing good and evil and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat and the eyes of them both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons the voice of deception a subtle silent quiet voice in her ear changed the course of history because she decided to pave a pathway in a garden to a tree that God had told her not to there's a story in um, I'm sure there's many stories in the, uh, the stories of the pioneers and, and the um, expansion out west but one story particularly um, really stands out it's been written about there have been movies made about it and the group was known as the Donner Party the Donner Party sometimes called the Donner Reed Party was a group of American pioneers who migrated to California in a wagon train from the Midwest delayed by a series of mishaps they spent the winter of 1846 through 47 snowbound in the Sierra Nevada mountain range this group like many others uh, had their eyes set had their minds set on something uh, greater on a better life on new life so to speak they had their heart set on going out west and starting a new life these people actually started in uh, Springfield Illinois so probably right through this area is where they they came and then went on and into the Oregon Trail to take off on their journey they had started um, they found out later that they had started a little bit late in the season compared to most they were one of the last wagon trains um, to actually go forth and, and try to make this journey well and as we talked about before 
by July 4th, if you found the halfway point, you were in pretty good shape because uh, you could um, then hopefully get to your destination uh, by October, maybe November, something like that. Took about uh, five to six months to go from Independence, Missouri up to Oregon or to California. And so this, this family took off and there was several of them in this group. It was the Donner and the Reed families mainly, but then more groups came and kind of added on. And in those days they would kind of form a, a train and they would all help each other out at times and, and share food and share some resources and things like that. But along the way, along the path, they heard a little voice by a man named Hastings. To promote his new route, the Hastings cut off. Lansford, Lansford Hastings sent writers to deliver letters to traveling migrants. On July 12th, the Reeds and Donners were given one of them. Shortly after they took off on this shortcut, it was supposed to save them 350 miles of, of time, uh, 350 miles so that they could make up some ground on the late time that they had taken off. They realized that the route was more difficult than advertised. Right off the bat, they come up against mountain ranges, they come up against steep climbs, they, they come up against all these treacherous terrain where they had to lock their wheels so that they didn't um, fly down the, the mountainside and things like that. One thing after another, they, they went through a desert place, dry and barren. Um, once they got through the desert, they'd send people ahead and they'd check out the terrain and, and they, would, um, they would tell them of you know, what, what's coming up ahead and, and all of these things. When they got further up the trail, they found that there was another desert that uh, they had to go across. They had to go through, um, at one point, Salt Lake City, I guess, and, and some of the, the, the um, salt terrain there and everything, and their, their wheels digging into the, the salt uh, flats and all of that, giving them a very difficult time. They, um, at one point, had a 40-mile trek that was supposed to take them uh, two, uh, I believe two days, ended up being 80 miles and about six days. On this journey, just day after day, week after week, month after month, they kept coming up against more and more difficulties, more and more problems, more and more issues. At this, at one point, they had a very large group with, with several children, toddlers, babies, um, along the way. I'm sure maybe some of them had babies along the way. This was a long journey. And all of this because they listened to a guy who said he found a new way. They didn't trust the old paths. They didn't trust the ways that were, um, that, that were sure and were, they were confident in. And people started to lose their respect and their trust and their uh, confidence in Reed and 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 so the the party kind of split up at times some you know, falling back quite a ways and some catching back up with each other and they'd find that that they were in desperate need of of supplies and food and and water for their oxen and for their camels and not camels I'm sorry uh, for their donkeys but they'd find along the way that they 
needed a lot of things. Well, they got to a point where they got towards the end of their towards the end of their journey. And they had a decision to make. Will we go over this mountain pass? Or will we stay where we're at and camp here? But they wanted to try to beat the storm. And they were given, again, some more bad information that said that um, the snow wasn't going to hit until November. So they had a little bit of time. They thought they had a window of opportunity. All they had to probably have to do is listen to the local St. Louis weather guy, and that would be enough bad information. Um, but they decided to go for it. And this was multiple families at this point, and they're all going up the side of this this mountain pass and they get stuck in the snow they get stuck in the snow and they luckily they eventually find these cabins in the woods they find these cabins and they are able to find shelter but these are really poorly built flat roofs that are leaking water so they took their their uh, ox hides and all of their hides that they had had and stored in their um, you know in their uh, carts and everything and they, they put them and covered over the roofs and tried to keep all the rain from coming in and over time they, they ran so short on food that they started taking strips of the hide and they would boil it in water and eat the strips of hide or they would tear it into to shreds and they would just eat it and consume it I mean absolute bare bones they had even got to the point where they um, had w would eat the mice that would come into the cabin and things like that. The children were starving. People were dying. It was an absolute dismal situation. And it got to the point where they considered cannibalism. And not only considered it, but fell, followed through with it they ended up eating some of the bodies of the, those that had died on the mountain. Those that had succumbed to starvation and sickness. And finally, throughout this whole ordeal, trying to send men down the mountain to, to find a way out, find hope and find help, they finally um, rescued them and and the woman, one of the women, uh, one of the, the wives said, are you from California or from heaven? And they were buried in 12, I believe it was 12 foot of snow. But there is a, there's a scripture in Proverbs 14, 12. It says, there's a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. I know this is a gruesome story, but it's an example of voices that lead us astray. It's an example of voices that lead us down a pathway of destruction and death. They could have followed the voices of those that had gone before, the voices of those that had a tried and true route to take, but they decided to take a shortcut and it led to their ultimate demise and destruction. Our responsibility not only is to listen to the voice of God, 
but also to be that voice to others on their journey and their pathway to God. We have the ability with our tongue to cause destruction, eternal uh, destruction in their lives, or to speak life to them. And that is, there's so much power in our tongue and so much responsibility weighing on us. Isaiah 41 through 4 says, Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her, that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, and for she hath received the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. This was Isaiah prophesying of John the Baptist coming to be the voice that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And that responsibility to clear the pathway for others to find God directly is a heavy weight that weighs on our shoulders. Romans 14, 13 says, Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. In the Bible, and... Uh, in ancient times, kings would send men before them to clear pathways for their journey, clearing away the stumbling blocks and things in the path that would obstruct the king's journey. There's also a reference um, by C.H. Spurgeon in one of his sermons talking about a place of refuge for those who have killed men but were... Um, but uh, acted not in, in uh, anger or rage or in sin, but, but to prepare a refuge, a city, a place for them to go. And they would send, um, he said in his sermon, would send men to go before to make sure that the highways, the, the paths to these cities of refuge were clear so that men could find their way to it. John 2 and verse 10 says, He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. Again, he that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. It's an important responsibility for us as a church body that as people come to connect with God, to be in his presence, that we don't cause a stumbling block for them. That we don't create obstacles in their path to God. Sometimes those obstacles can come because of our own selfishness, because of our own anger, bitterness, whatever it might be in our lives that cause us to create these opportunities for others to struggle. We may be 
you know, bitter and angry about things that have happened in life. And I, I hate to see that, but it's happened, I know, if, at times where a new Christian connects with someone who's disgruntled with God. And if you hear the new Christian talk about God, they're excited. They, they can't wait to see what God's going to do in their lives. And then along comes this downtrodden saint, this saint who uh, has, is frustrated because life hasn't gone the way that they wanted it to. Frustrated with God, frustrated with their pastor, whatever it might be, and causes a stumbling block for a new Christian. Romans 14, 13 says, Let us therefore judge one another, let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. Our responsibility as a church body is to clear that pathway for God. To take those valleys, those low places, and to bring them up. To take those mountains, that mountainous terrain, and to bring it down. To clear the pathway for others' relationship to God. It's important that we limit the voices that are spoken, that we are careful, and that we take care of people's emotions, that we, um, we take care of people's uh, faith, that we, we don't cut their faith down, that we don't destroy them before they ever um, experience God's blessings. But our responsibility is to clear that path. Luke 14, 23. And I'm going to close with this. It says, And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. As the scripture says, there's a way that seems right to a man. People don't know that the path that they're taking is leading down a path of destruction. They don't know what they don't know. Some people don't understand God's word. They don't understand God's presence. They don't understand the need and the, um, how essential salvation is. Yes, we know the paths. We know the way. We know the, the ways that have been cleared before us. We know the ways of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob. We know these ways that have been cleared. We know what our destination is. We know all of these things. But what about people who don't know God? God wants us, has called us, to go forth to those highways, to those routes, those places where people are at, where they think that they're going the right way, it seems right to them. They don't think it's wrong. They don't know that living a life in sin is wrong. They don't understand. But to go to those places and to reach to them, to try to pull them back, to get them out of that rut, that place that they're in, that they're going to a destination that leads to death and to put them on the pathway that God has called them to and called us to. And in closing today, I just wonder if we could pray.
we could pray that God would help us to not only follow that pathway in our own lives but to create an environment in this church that makes it easy for people to access God create an environment in this church that makes it easy for people to be in this beautiful presence that we feel each week people don't know people don't know the way but we do and God has called us to reach to them can we close our eyes all over this place and just ask for God to help us Jesus we pray right now God that you would help us today Jesus Jesus help me God not to be a stumbling block not to be something that would cause division God in their pathway that would cause them to to fall away from you God or to to get off the pathway that leads to you Jesus God I pray that every visitor that comes to our church God would find you that they would seek and find you Jesus that you would help us to get out of our comfort zone at times to go and to reach them God and to touch their lives where they're at God I pray that you'd help us to follow those teachings that have been led before us God to not falter from the truth God to not be led astray by voices that would try to deter us or derail us God but help us, Jesus, to trust in your pathway, God. The way that is set before us, God. The way of truth, Jesus. The way of hope, God. We pray, Jesus, that you would help us today to follow that pathway that you've let before us, God. That you've set in our sights, God. And help us today, Jesus to do our part to reach God reach out to those who, in, who are in need of you we pray for it Jesus we thank you God for what you're going to do in this church God and what you've been doing over the last several years God preparing a pathway Jesus for this church to walk in the ways of truth God thank you Jesus for everyone who has ever gone before and cleared that pathway for us, Jesus. Help us to be thankful and, and grateful, Jesus, for that path that's been cleared for us. In Jesus' name, God, we thank you for it. We thank you, God. Can we just lift our hands all over this place and thank him? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, that you've given us a way, God, that leads to life, God, that leads to hope, God, that leads to peace, Jesus. Thank you, God, for giving us light to see beyond, Jesus, what's in front of us, God, to see what you desire for us to see, God. Thank you, Jesus, that you've done that for us, God. We're so thankful, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, I'm thankful someone paved the way for me.